fantastic. Well, I had a wonderful Thanksgiving, um, like most of you. And uh, Thanksgiving at our house, you know, we usually do it at our house, although last year we did that at my mom's place. And since we moved to San Diego, we live in a much smaller place, and so it's a little bit tighter. But when we had a bigger home, we'd have tons of people over, uh, anywhere from 25 to 35 people come over. We'd just celebrate and eat lots of food and watch football. Is anybody excited they added a third football game to Thanksgiving Day, or is that just me? Am I the only one that noticed? I was, pretty, I was pretty stoked about that. So it's not just football in the afternoon, but come on, somebody, football in the evening as well. It was a good time. And, uh, but man, right after Thanksgiving, one of the things we do um, is, uh, and by the way, I've eaten so much turkey, because um, you don't just have turkey on Thanksgiving, then you have turkey sandwiches, turkey soup, turkey this, turkey burritos, man. And, and so if I'm a little sleepy, it's the turkey's fault, all right? Uh, but right after Thanksgiving, we always decorate um, for Christmas, and so sure enough, we did that, and if I forget, my kids will quickly remind me, and so they reminded me, hey, Dad, it's time to set up for Christmas, and, and so we, you know, went to storage, got all the stuff out, but then they reminded me that last year, uh, I told them that we could do a more colorful or different kind of color Christmas, and they said, Dad, you said we could do purple, and we could do pink, and we could do lime green, and I don't have any of that stuff. I'm more traditional, just green and red and gold and silver, and uh, so we jumped in the car, and we took them over to Big Lots. Come on, somebody. Thank God for big lots. And so we loaded up on pink, on purple, on lime green and silver. And, and uh, we got home, we decorated, but it just didn't look complete because we still had the red and the green and the white stockings. And uh, so they twisted my arm and uh, we went and we got some pink stockings. Come on, somebody, purple and lime green. And I like these stockings. And I didn't know how handy they would come in. Um, but on one side, they say nice. And on the other side, they say naughty. Okay. And, uh, and so, of course, you know, we hung them up all, all nice. And um, they're all excited and, and talking about and whatnot. And uh, then, like, the next day, my kids started acting up. And I got this quick idea um, that we could use these stockings as a form of discipline. Come on, somebody. I just didn't know how well it would work. Now, I know some of you are going to go buy these stockings afterwards. I'm telling you, it worked better than a spanking. It worked better than taking the toy away. Um, I said, look, if you girls don't behave, I'm going to flip those to naughty. Faith started crying. True story. She started crying. She's like, no, what if Santa sees it, you know? And I'm like, well, don't be naughty. And uh, so sure enough, they got naughty yesterday, and we flipped those things to naughty, and you would have think that I just devastated their world. It was awesome. And uh, so I turned those things to naughty. And so every, and, and, you know, we live in a small place, so no matter where they're at, they just look, you know, and saw them, and there it says naughty. And, of course, mine and my wife say nice. And so there's their turn door naughty, and every time they'd walk by, they'd have to just be down, and they'd look at it. And, like, every five minutes, they'd be coming over, and they'd be like, Dad, can we change it to nice? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you were naughty today, and, but hopefully before the end of the night. And so sure enough, by the end of the night, they, they changed them to nice. Why am I sharing that with you? I don't know, but it was a good, it was a good time. And... Uh, <laughs> A great form of discipline. We might just leave those up all year long, right? And just flip them back and forth. Turn your Bibles today to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, we've been on a journey together uh, going through the book of Timothy. And uh, I've been really enjoying doing this study with you. Um, also, I started a community group uh, entitled Study the Word with Pastor Ben. And although we've only gotten together uh, once, we're going to be getting together again here shortly, uh, we've been online uh, through a Facebook group, and we've been posting stuff and posting our studies and posting our findings. There's about seven or eight of us in the group, and it's been awesome. And so I've been able to glean from other people sitting right here uh, today as well as uh, my own studies. And so it's been a, a lot of fun. Well, we're going to jump into chapter four today, and uh, we're going to discover some new stuff that Paul is writing to Timothy as he writes uh, to the city of Ephesus where uh, Timothy is at as a pastor of one of the local churches there. And uh, so we're going to discover some new stuff. Uh, the main uh, focus of the whole letter, 
Um, obviously, Paul didn't know it was going to be broken up into chapters, but the main focus of the whole letter uh, really is to counteract bad doctrine with good doctrine. What's doctrine? It's just simply teaching. To counteract bad teaching that was taking place in Ephesus with good sound teaching or good sound doctrine, Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross being the centerpiece of the whole thing, Okay. And so this is what's taking place. Some people are, are teaching bad doctrine because that people are being led astray. Um, therefore, um, disruptions are happening not only uh, in the church but in the culture. And, and so Paul urges Timothy to stay there and to counteract the bad doctrine, the bad teaching with good doctrine and good teaching. Now here's something we need to understand. Uh, in context here as we read this, we see that they were literally taking the gospel and they were twisting it and they were turning it and using it in perverse ways, maybe even for selfish gain. And because that other, uh, other um, uh, teachings were rising up. But can I just say this bad doctrine isn't just, or bad teaching isn't just someone that takes the scripture and twists it. Okay? Uh, bad doctrine and bad teaching isn't just somebody that misinterprets scripture or misinterprets the word. Uh, bad doctrine and bad teaching is not just uh, a false religion, such as Mormonism. Although all of that is bad, false teaching can come out in many different ways. It's just simply teachings that people live their lives by. And uh, matter of fact, last night, um, you know, we started watching all Christmas movies and listening to Christmas music, and we thought, hey, let's turn on the ABC Family Christmas Special, okay? And, uh, and so we decided to watch it. And how in the world they call it a family one, I have no idea. It was so disturbing uh, what they were promoting through this movie, really the doctrine that was coming out of this movie, the teaching. I mean, it had everything under the sun. This was the most dysfunctional family on the planet, okay? Now, I know that some of you are dysfunctional. I've talked with you. I know this, okay? But this family portrayed every dysfunction known to man. I mean, one person all of a sudden decided they were gay. Another person had been taking money from their parents but wasn't really going to school. They were doing this other thing. And then this other person, she was just, you know, the black sheep of the family, couldn't do anything right. Mom and dad didn't even love each other. And, and all this stuff was being promoted. through. It had nothing to do with Christmas other than it happened around Christmas time. <laughs> and you know what? Bad teaching and bad doctrine can come through your TV set, Okay. Bad teaching and bad doctrine can come through your friend. Bad teaching and bad doctrine can come through a book, okay? And so we need to understand this because as we get into today, we're going to see that Paul now is beginning to tell Timothy what he needs to do to get fit for the task that is in front of him. We discussed in chapter 1, uh, the premiere of that, that Christ came to save sinners, came to save even those that were promoting the bad doctrine. Chapter 2, we dealt with this subject of prayer in that, Timothy, if you're going to do this thing, you're going to need to pray. Pray often, pray everywhere, and get a lot of other people to pray with you. Last week, uh, we talked about the church and you being the church and how we together, as the body of Christ, make up the church and we together now become that pillar, as we talked about last week, that pillar and that buttress of truth as we begin to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, I'm going to look at uh, some things that Paul encourages Timothy to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is amazing. Uh, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together that, God, you would teach us from your word. Uh, Lord, that you would challenge us from your word. That for some of us, you would correct us from your word. And that we would leave this place being eternally changed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to rewrite into chapter 3 a little ways uh, because I believe the last uh, three or four verses of chapter 3 go right into chapter 4. And uh, we have uh, chapter 4 on the screens for you, but I don't believe the last part of chapter 3 is there. 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14, Paul says, I hope to come to you soon, 
But I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. And then it begins to describe that mystery. He was manifest in the flesh, he being Jesus, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Verse 1, chapter 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. What we're going to see here now as we go into chapter 4, last part of chapter 3, talking about the mystery of godliness. First part of chapter 4 now begins to sum up the mystery uh, of what we could call deceitfulness or the mystery of wickedness, okay? And it begins to kind of sum this up, and so it contrasts. Here's the mystery of godliness, but here's the mystery uh, of, of wickedness, okay? And, and right in between there, Paul says this, some are going to leave this and they're going to go over to this. Some people are going to stray away from the truth. They're not going to believe the truth. Sometimes it's going to happen because of, of wrong teachings that are going to come out. And here it actually talks about uh, uh, faith by devoting themselves to the deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Wow. That's pretty powerful. Okay, now think about this. Now, here's what you've got to understand. Okay, now if a demon showed up in your room, okay, this is pretend for a minute, okay, that would hopefully scare the hell out of you, okay? And you wouldn't listen to a word it had to say, all right? Okay? So obviously a demon is not going to show up in front of you and say, I am a demon sent by Satan and I'm going to give you bad doctrine right now. Okay? It's not going to happen, right? If it does, run, okay? And then tell me your story later because I want to hear it because it's pretty cool, okay? Okay. But what we're going to see here is that people under the influence of that begin to present bad teaching and bad doctrine. I love what Paul says here right off the bat. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. He's talking about apostasy. He's talking about some will fall away from godliness. Some will fall away from the truth. They, they will do it. Uh, they will choose to do it. Some will be led astray, but they're, they're going to walk away from the truth. But he says this, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times. I love how in tune Paul was with the Spirit. Okay? Paul was so in tune with the Spirit. Now, now here it's speaking of, of a couple of things. It's speaking of the Spirit of the Old Testament and what was leading up to the New Testament. But it's also talking about the Spirit of prophecy that's on these New Testament prophets. Okay? And so Paul gathers from the teachings of the Old Testament. He gathers now from the, the, the prophets you know, that, that have come before him. And he learns from that. And he's so in tune with the Spirit that he can make this statement. The Spirit expressly says that it's going to happen. Okay? It's going to happen. It goes on then to talk about, a little bit about this, about what that looks like. And it references, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, some false sense of security that would come through uh, false fasting and things like that. Let's read on verse 2. Uh, through the teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars, who consciousness has been seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving. Come on, like turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes. Praise Jesus. By those who believe to know the truth. Okay? These people believe to know the truth but are, are being led astray. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be ejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by uh, the word of God and and prayer, okay? Here's what's happening, okay? 
last part of chapter 3, mystery of, of godliness. First part now uh, of chapter 4, we see that the mystery of iniquity is, is summed up in these statements, okay? And they're contrasting one another. People are going to stray away. How are they going to stray away? Here's how they're going to stray away. They do not have good, sound doctrine, okay? What does that tell you and I today? We should tap into good, sound doctrine. Here at Urban Church, where do we believe good, sound doctrine comes from? The Bible, okay? It doesn't come from someone's writing about the Bible, okay? It doesn't come from podcasts and listening to sermons, okay? That's good. You should do that. But we need to be able to decipher and discern when we are listening to something, whether it be at our own church on a Sunday morning or whether it be a podcast we're listening to or whether it be a a friend that's sharing something with some conviction to us, okay? Listen to me. Confidence and conviction, it can sometimes carry over as, as, wow, that's profound and that's, that's the truth, okay? No, unless it matches up and lines up with this right here, okay? We take everything back to this right here. That tells us this. We need to know good doctrine from bad doctrine. Here it actually talks about that there is some doctrine that comes from demons or deceitful spirits. Okay? Now, now we see this picture in Scripture that, that there are some different sources of doctrine, good teaching or bad teaching, teaching in general. The three sources that we get are God. Okay? Anything that comes from God is good. That's right. Okay? The devil and anything that comes from the devil is, my mama said, that's right, it's bad. And then there's the teaching that comes from man. And the teaching that comes from man can either be good or bad, depending on the source that it's tapped into. Go with me, if you will, real quickly to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, we see this picture of, of, uh, summed up right here of doctrine that comes from God, doctrine that comes from the devil, and doctrine that comes from man. Okay? And we as Christ followers, as Christians, which we're going to discover in a minute, need to be able to, with assurance, decipher what is what. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, it says, Now when Jesus came in the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Okay, this is man's doctrine. And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and others Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets. Okay. That's who man says I am. That's what man's teaching says. That's man's doctrine. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, the doctrine that you just spoke did not come from man, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you the truth. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Come on, somebody. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one uh, that he was the Christ. Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem to suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed Uh, And on the third day raised, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Wow. The same guy that just said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. (laughs) Momentary lapse of judgment, I guess. I'm going to pull the Christ, the son of the living God aside for a moment and tell him what's up, you know. Unbelievable. 
started to rebuke him. And if you actually study this out, the, the, it talks about vehemently. And uh, in another translation, it actually means he grabbed Jesus and shook him. Bad move. <laughs> Rebuked him saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, go behind me, Satan. Wow. Huh. You are a hindrance to me. Whoa. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. In these passages, we see all three sources of doctrine very clearly. We see the first one. Who do, who do men say that I am? Well, some say Elijah, John the Baptist. Some say you're this guy. Okay, that's, that, that's the teaching that man is bringing. But who do you say that I am? You're Christ, the son of the living God. And what does Jesus say? That's right. You, you, you're right on it. But, but you didn't get that on your own. You got that from my father. You got that from God, the doctrine from God. And then it looks like everything's fine and dandy until, until Peter now gets influenced by the doctrine of Satan. What did Jesus do? Now, was Peter actually Satan? No, he was being influenced in his mind with some wrong thoughts, some wrong ideas, some wrong teachings, some wrong doctrine. And because of that, what came out of him was wrong. Listen to me. As Christ followers, we need to be careful and we need to make sure that we're tapped into good sound doctrine. Okay? We, we got to make sure of these things because if, if, if not, here's what happens. Okay? Um, we begin to take the word of the pastor as the gospel truth, okay? And there's probably some in, in this small of a church that would do that, like, oh, man, that was an amazing message. Pastor, you're awesome, and all that's true. But, and now, pretty soon you don't even bring your Bible to church. You just show up, because whatever comes out of my mouth, it's the gospel, okay? Rather than having our Bible there, and let's say, does it really say that? And then maybe meditating on the word later and, and maybe even going yourself to the word. Better yet, what we need to do is we need to be in a place where the minute somebody speaks, we can say, man, that's of God. Okay? We need to be in tune. Three different sources. You have God, you have, you have, you have uh, man, and you have the dev- devils. Here's some verses for you can look at later. Doctrine of God, Deuteronomy 32.2. Deuteronomy 32.2. Talks about the doctrine of God. Proverbs 4.2. Talks about the teachings that come from God. Titus 2.10. As well as later on in 1 Timothy, we'll see some more. The doctrine of man. Well, we saw, uh, we're going to see some later on here, and we're seeing what's happening in Ephesus because of the doctrine of man. Um, but we, we, we uh, see it in Matthew 15.9. And we see it in Luke 12.1, where Jesus actually warns the disciples to beware of the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. What was he talking about? He was saying, beware of the teaching that would come from them. And then doctrine of devils, we see it referenced here as well as in 1 Corinthians 10, 21. 10, 21. Uh, we need to be careful because if we don't understand doctrine, listen to me, it could be very dangerous, okay? I mean, someone might come along and, and, and try to say that, that, that hell doesn't even really exist, they, they, might, they might write about, you know, how, you know what, hell doesn't even really exist because, you know, God's so full of love and he's such a good God that in the end he's going to save us all, okay? And, and someone might come along and, and make statements like that, and if you don't know good doctrine and you don't know good teaching, you might be like, oh, yeah, I like that. Man, I can do whatever I want and I'm going to be, I like that one. Who wouldn't, you know? Live like hell and go to heaven, you know? But that's not the way it is. And that is very deceptive. And there are people being led astray by things like this. 
Because they hear that, and that's more palatable than, hey, live a righteous, God-centered life and receive, you know, the grace that comes from Jesus, the fact that he died on the cross, and, and you know what, exercise yourself toward godliness, work out your own salvation. That sounds like too much work to me, okay? Okay, and so they, they like to accept the other part, but listen to me, there's danger in that. We need to understand good, sound teaching. We need to understand the doctrine that comes from Scripture. Are you with me today? Okay, um, Or if not, there's nothing then that separates us from, let's say, the Catholic Church, where when the Pope speaks, it is the Holy Spirit speaking. Okay, Then bring your Bible to church. Man, when you, when you, get, when you leave a message... You know, listen to me, okay? Maybe one of these day, days I'll just preach a bad message and see if anybody catches it. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. You know, people come up, that was so good. Idiot. Okay? Now, we do our best here to study the word and, 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 to, and to give what we believe God is saying to Urban Church. But I want to challenge you as a part of Urban Church I want to challenge you as a part of this community, especially as we continue to grow and new people come in and maybe there's people moving into the city from other churches and other denominations and other, other, other religious backgrounds, whatever it might be, as we continue to grow, I want to challenge you more and more, man. Take these messages, go home, look at the Bible for yourself and allow the Holy Spirit uh, to teach you. Amen? Let's read on. Let's read on. Verse 16. Because of all of that, if you put these things before the brothers, what things? Basically, everything I've been writing up until this point, Timothy, telling you to defend the faith and telling you to preach good sound doctrine and, and telling you to have, you know, uh, good leadership in place. If you put these things on the people, if you do these things, you will be a good servant or, or deacon of Christ, Jesus being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine, there it is, that you have followed having nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds a promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Come on. Listen, all your, all your physical activity, man, it'll keep you healthy. It'll keep you living a longer life. It'll be enjoyable, but it's not going to prop your life. But man, godliness, on the other hand, okay, it's going to profit you here and now, and it's going to profit you later. I love the words that are used here, and, and even the words that are used in verse 15 and 16. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. So that all who see your progress, keep close watch on yourself. And to the teaching, persist in this, for by doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I love, I love the words that Paul uses here, train. Interesting, though, that I, I want to point this out too. Verse 7, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. They're, they're good for nothing. But it doesn't stop there. It says this, rather train yourself for godliness. Rather train yourself for God. Don't have anything to do with this. Resist that. But on the other side, go after this. Okay? And the Bible does this throughout. I think of James chapter 4. Submit to God, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Okay? And here Paul does the same thing as he writes Timothy. He says, hey, look, stay away from these silly myths and all that stuff. Stay away from that. But on the other hand, train yourself toward godliness. Here's one thing I've learned. 
that if we are always just resisting something, eventually we'll give in to that because we're always focused on it. We're always thinking about what we're resisting and what we're fighting against and what we're trying not to have and what we can't do and what we shouldn't do. And, ah! Okay? And some people think that, that that's what Christianity is about. Okay? But I've realized something that if we're always focused on what we can't do and all that stuff, okay, we're going to end up doing it. Okay? But on the other hand, here's what we need to do. We need to train ourselves toward godliness. I, I, love this, I love this word train. Okay? And, uh, and it's where we get the word gym from, okay? And a uh, little bit different, though, back then, okay? I know that when you go to the gym, it looks a little bit like a meat market at times. You all know what I'm talking about? Because you put some clothes on when you work out, right? Anybody, does anybody even go to the gym anymore? You're looking at me like, what? Gym, you know, you lift weights and run and stuff. You follow me, okay? Some people are, are dressed probably to get noticed, all right? But the word gym, actually, uh, it, it means naked, Okay, it, it means uh, uh, that basically the picture where it comes from is back then they didn't have athletic clothes. Do you imagine working out in your robe? Just real difficult, right? Do you imagine running a 5K? You'd be tripping over your robe, right? Okay. So what they would literally do is they would shed everything, get rid of all of the restrictions, all of the hindrances. And uh, the word picture actually talks about a gym, a training center that they would go to and work out. Pretty impressive, right? Actually, if you studied on a little further, it actually uh, was not just a gym like you and I would get a membership, okay? Get a membership and have our little card and never use it, right? Except for the first, first 20 days of January, right? Okay? But this is actually a place where people go for athletic training. It's a school of training. And they would go there and they would refine themselves in a specific event or a specific uh, sport. Okay? This is the word that Paul uses. Train yourself. They understood that word. That means to shed myself of everything, as Hebrews talks about, to shed myself, to lay aside the sin and the weight that so easily are you with me? Ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The picture that Paul is painting is, is we running like streakers. Come on, somebody. Okay? Because that robe will get in the way. And he's talking about we, we shed that. Okay? But not just, you know, when you feel like getting a good workout. Okay? It is talking about Olympic-type training. It is talking about shedding all of that. And we're not just talking, come on, you know, get your cardio in three days a week, 30 minutes. Okay? The word picture that Paul uses here is, listen, guys, you've got to get rid of everything, and you've got to give it everything you've got, and you've got to exercise with everything you have, and just about the point when you feel like giving up, you've got to push through it. This is what he's talking about. Okay? Train yourself toward godliness. Train yourself. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a weekend warrior. You all know what a weekend warrior is? Okay? <laughs> Weekend warriors is, is people like me when we get a little, little bit older and we don't like to work out every day. Uh, we just kill ourselves on the weekend. Like by playing basketball or football and then that's our exercise. Or I watch my daughter surf. That's the other exercise. Good job, baby. Pull the muscle, you know. Okay, good job. Okay. But on Mondays, that's when we're weekend warriors. We have a basketball team here at Urban. By the way, we won the championship last season. Thanks. Um, so we've started a new season already. 
And, uh, and, you know, and I haven't been working out like I used to. There was a man, I, I kind of go in, in, in seasons, and I'll work out like solid for four months, and then for the next eight, I won't do anything, okay? <laughs> I look really good in those four months, though, but... And, and, and so here I am Mondays, you know, we go out there and we give it our all, man, we're banging, we're, you know, and then the next day I'm kind of like, oh man, I'm a little bit sore. And then the next day I'm like, oh, I can't walk, you know, <laughs> right? My, why is that? Because I'm a weekend warrior, right? And so I end up hurting myself <laughs> because I'm not doing it consistently, because I'm not building on what I did the day before. And I'm not this, I'm not building on that. Instead, I just go out and I just come to church on Sunday. <laughs> I'm a weekend warrior. And then I wonder why I'm in pain on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and why the devil's attacking me, and I can't seem to overcome this thought or overcome that thought, and I can't seem to, to fight through this, and I, the only thing I am fighting with is my wife, and I don't get it, and I don't understand, and then I get to Sunday, and I work out again. Okay? What Paul's saying is this. There are no weekend warriors in the church. In other words, Paul really is saying this, because if you look at it in sequence, look, here's, here's the mystery of godliness, here's the mystery of iniquity, bad doctrine. You want to you you abstain from bad doctrine and iniquity? Here's what you got to do. You got to get in the gym. You, you got to put some weight on the bar, and you've got to begin to work out. And, and by the way, don't just work out. Put your athletic clothes on, which to them was naked, but please don't go to the gym. Okay? Put some clothes on. And begin to, begin to work out. Train yourself. Other translations say, exercise yourself. Catch the picture that Paul is painting here. They understood it. We need to understand it. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. What's that look like, in, 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 what's that look like to us on a daily basis? Are you reading your Bible? Are you picking it up? And I got a really big one because I'm ready to work out. Come on, somebody. It's my only workout right there. I do this as I'm reading it. Look at those guns. Somebody in the back was like, get a bigger Bible. You know. <laughs> Shirk. You know, you read the Bible. When? On Sunday? Yeah, look at the screens, Pastor. It's awesome. No. No, get your own Bible. Get it on an iPhone app, okay? If, if, you, if you've got, you know, the Android, you're probably getting the Doctrine of Demons. But if you get an iPhone, <laughs> get an iPhone, Okay? And read the Bible, okay? Read the Bible. That is exercising yourself toward godliness. Pray. We talked about that in chapter two. Pray. Yeah, I, I know, Pastor, during worship, I pray. God, help me make it through church today, you know? Oh, pray every day. Exercise yourself, okay? We talked about this, I think it was last week. You really want to get a workout? Serve in an area of ministry. Wow. You'll start getting some big guns when you do that, right? Why are you laughing? Okay. Do you really want to get stretched? Go grab one of those, you got blessed cards, and go buy somebody lunch today, just slip a card, and walk away and be like, wow, that was a lot of fun. What do you, we're exercise, we're training ourselves. This is not a, a one-time deal. This is an everyday thing. Are you with me? Train yourself, train yourself. What does that look like? What does that look like? It goes in then, and we're going to finish up here in the next five minutes. It goes in then, and it talks a little bit about, about what that looks like to train yourself up. It talks about bodily training is, is of some value, but man, godliness, it's value for this life and in the life to come. The saying is trustworthy, verse 9, and deserving of full 
acceptance. For to this end we toil and we strive. There it is again. We toil and we strive. What are those words, toil and strive? Uh, One translation says we labor. What does it mean to labor? It means to labor with wearisome effort. Wow. When's the last time you were were, were weary and becoming godly? (laughs) It's hard work. It's hard work, but it's worth it. It's worth it. We, we suffer, we, we toil, and we suffer, or we strive. What does that word mean? It means to, to make uh, a strenuous efforts towards a goal. What's the goal? The upward call in Christ Jesus. Wow, we have a goal. Verse 10, uh, because we have our hope set on the living God, It's our focus. Who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe? Verse 11, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. What things are we to give ourselves to? to? Listen to me. I know we're a young church, but listen to me, young church. We don't have to let anybody despise our youth. We can be an example in everything we do. What does the example look like? In our speech. What things are coming out of your mouth? What things are you talking about? Coarse jesting, it talks about in other passages. In our speech, we need to be an example. In our conduct, how do we interact with others? Are we showing love? Because they will know we are Christians by our... You don't know that song? Jonathan, where are you at? We're going to do that one. In our conduct, in our love, in our faith, and in our purity. Wow. Now what does that exercise produce? What does that training produce? What does it look like? Man, it comes out in our speech. It comes out in our conduct. It comes out in our love. It comes out in our purity. Now you know when someone is an Olympic athlete just by looking at them. You don't have to ask them, hey, are you an athlete? No, you know. There was someone, there was someone uh, showing a condo, uh, like a rent, I don't know if you saw. She walked up to the pool and she was just like, boom. And I was like, Wow. That girl works out, you know. I didn't have to ask her, hey, do you work out? Well, it was pretty obvious, okay. She works out, okay. The reality is, is when people look at us because we've been training ourselves, I, I mean, it's cool when someone asks, hey, are you a Christian? But it, I would rather have them say, wow, you're a Christian. They can tell by looking. They don't even have to say nothing. They just know how that person's been training themselves. It comes out in their conduct. It comes out in the way they're interacting with people, their speech. Did you hear them talk? What do people hear you, what, what, what do you sound like on the job place? That's a good way to know if you've been training yourself. <laughs> I love it when I'm talking with people and they, they cuss, they drop swear words, especially when it's people that actually come to my church and we're talking. And then they're like, oh, that just came out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say it, you know. But even, even people like maybe I just meet for the first time and then I tell them what I do and they're like a pastor and then they, you can see their mind just going, oh, what did I say during the course of this conversation, okay? What's your speech sound like? If I went to your, your coworkers and talked to them, what, what about your neighbors? What do they hear coming over the fence? Well, mm-hmm. That's why I live in a condo. <laughs> I just say everything inside. No one can hear me. No, just kidding. Conduct, love, faith, you know, purity. Wow. Let's read on. 
the example you're to set. Verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Wow. I like that. To the public reading of Scripture. Give yourselves to these things. Why? Why these things? The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. What he's telling Timothy to do once again. Timothy, man, you've been training yourself. You've been exercising yourself. Now now I need that to come out of you. And when it comes out of you, obviously it's going to come out in words. But what's coming out? It's good, sound doctrine. It's good teaching. It's good teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. I love verse 14. Do not neglect the gift you have. Let me ask you a question. Are you neglecting the gift you have? God put something powerful in you. God has done something amazing in you and through. I love I loved when Jill was up here sharing her testimony. You could just sense the joy of God just coming out of her. You can just see. I mean, when I first heard about her testimony, I was like, no way. I was like, my mom, my mom was sharing a little bit. I was like, we're thinking of two completely different people. There's no way. But that's how good God is. And the work that Christ does on the cross and, and in our lives, how he transforms us from the inside out. That's powerful. To the point where I don't even look the same. I look completely different. That, that's, that's, a, that's a powerful, powerful thing. What about you, the gift that is in you? Are you neglecting it? What has Christ done in you? Your story is powerful. Your testimony is powerful. What has Christ done in you? Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep, Keep a, a close, close watch, watch on yourself. yourself. There, there it is. is. Keep, Keep a close watch, watch on yourself. In all the teaching, persist in this. For by so doing, listen to these last verses. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Listen to this. Timothy, Paul's not telling Timothy, Timothy, by what you do, you're going to say. He's saying this, as you give yourself to what Christ did, and as you give yourself to the gospel, you will be saved. And as you teach this, others will be saved also. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I just pray right now in these last moments that we have together that Lord, we would literally take a moment to reflect on the teaching that we heard today. God, not just in this moment, but Lord, as we leave this place, God, we would ask ourselves some of these questions. Are, are we training ourselves? Are we exercising ourselves? That we'd ask ourselves these questions. Are we neglecting the gift? Are we neglecting the work? What is the gift? The gift is Jesus. The gift is the work that Christ did on the cross. Are we neglecting the gift that we've received and been transformed by? Are we allowing others to hear the story? Because if they hear the good, sound doctrine coming out of us, they're going to be saved too. Because they'll have a Jesus to believe in. Hallelujah.